Hey, this is Disability After Dark, the podcast that shines a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The opinions, language, and discussion expressed in Disability After Dark may be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Do you want to keep the conversation lit around sex and disability? Want to spark a conversation about something you heard on the show? Feel like shining some light on an issue that I haven't even thought of? You can do all that and get the inside scoop on what happens in my brain after dark by following me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A. And be sure to use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark all over your social media so we can shine light on sex and disability together. My name's Andrew Gerza and I will be your scintillating sexy host as we light up the conversation on sex and disability like never before, right here on Disability After Dark. Hello, hello, I'm so glad that you clicked on episode 3 of Disability After Dark. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability today. I have a great topic and some things I want to talk about, so grab your matches, your pitchforks, your lanterns, anything else that produces light for you, and let's set this conversation ablaze. One of my followers a few months ago sent me a, a question on Facebook and said they wanted to talk to me about how to make the disability devices that we use sexier and they were telling me that they were with their partner and their partner had just gotten a a hospital bed and they wanted to find a way to make that sexy. Two things happened when I got this. I love getting emails like that and I love putting calls out to the social media world and asking stuff around disability. I love being able to do that because it's a forum where I can do my work And really get to know a sense of how people feel about sex and disability and what their thoughts on sex and disability actually are. And so I love being able to put it out there and ask people to tell me their honest opinions on certain things. And so this follower said, you know, my partner just got this hospital bed and they got this this bed. And I don't know how to, to deal with my ableism and deal with my feelings around them having to having to be in this hospital bed and me as their partner wanting to have sex with them in this bed and not knowing how to navigate that with them and not knowing how to feel like it's weird and creepy for me that I'm having sex with them in their hospital bed. And what, can you give me some advice? And I really thought about it because this is something that I've thought about a lot myself. I use a lot of devices in my day-to-day life that are not really the sexiest things and many people with disabilities can probably speak to the fact that many of the devices we use, like wheelchairs, walkers, canes, bed rails, slings, um, what are all the other things that we have we have to access, they're not exactly the sexiest things in the world. And it can be really tough to try to find a way to make them sexy when you're actually trying to get it on with somebody. To make these things sexy can be difficult. So I wanted to tackle that in the podcast today. And I actually wrote an article about it for HuffPost last month, um, and I want to kind of draw from that article to bring this topic of discussion to light, Um, and so let me do that right now. So the article I wrote was called Wheelchairs, Slings, and Other Things. Can my mobility device be sexy? And I talk about my recent move to the city. I just moved from suburbia to downtown about three and a half months ago. And I talk about my experiences of 
trying to find a way for myself to make these devices sexy. And so one of the scenes that I bring out in the piece was me talking about my sling. And I want to read kind of a small excerpt from that to, get, to give you a sense of what I'm talking about. I sat there, my queer crippled body encased in the bright blue and yellow mesh fabric of my transfer sling. As I went from wheelchair to bed, the large motor made a loud whirring sound as it crossed on the track in my ceiling. During this transfer, I could see myself in the mirror, my bum peeking out below, one of the few times I've actually seen it, my cock safely tucked between the scaps, narrowly, narrowly avoiding being smushed. If I'm honest right now, I kind of look like one of those rescue whales at SeaWorld. Finally, <laughs> it's true, I sort of do kind of look like that when I'm in this thing. Um, finally, I'm lowered in, into my bed. With, it's, it's lame when, you're, when your own blog post makes you laugh, but I'm picturing the thing at SeaWorld right now. So finally, I'm lowered into my bed with two bed rails on either side of me so that I can have it, so that I can't have a spasm and fall out of it. Well, I am settling in for a Netflix, for for a night of Netflix, followed by dreams of a midnight makeout session. I let out a giant belabored sigh, a mixture of sadness, anger, and fear that my new transfer routine wasn't at all sexy, and nobody would want to do me like that. That's just a small excerpt from the beginning of the blog. You can find the rest on HuffPost. Um, and so I talk about throughout the blog how assistive devices, how how it's really hard to see them as sexy and how there's, I have trouble with that. I talk about how I'm not sure that anybody's going to want me. Um, and I share that adaptive devices are something that I've always had to deal with in my life. I've, ever since the age of four, when I got my first wheelchair, I've been dealing with adaptive devices. And I, you, you come to accept them as a part of your life and accept them as a part of your world as a disabled person. You just, you, you get taught that this is the thing you're going to use and this is okay and don't worry about it. And you kind of like just incorporate this into your life as a kid every day. And as, you know, as you get older, you just start using them without really thinking about it. But then when it comes to, um, to sex, that's when you really start thinking about how these devices are going to work and what they're and you know what they are for when you get them as a kid when you get them as a, as a kid or a young adult you're given to them by a team of usually a physical therapist an occupational therapist and a doctor prescribe all these things so you're taught exactly how they're supposed to use and the precise reason and the proper way to use these devices and you're told by the therapist how it's supposed to work my thinking is this. Of course, none of these expert individuals that you're going to be with will be there when, I, when you bring that guy or girl home from the bar or from the Tinder app, Tinder or Grindr, and they want to throw me on the bed and have their way with me or you. Basically, what I'm saying is, you know, the, the expert's not going to be there to, to guide you on how to have sex with these devices. And how to do all that. And so, you know, being lifted up in the sling, I was thinking about at 3 a.m. when I bring the guy home or the guy comes off the grinder app and wants to suck my dick, is he going to be like, oh, I need, to put, I need to put the sling on you? I need to uh, do all this? Is he going to want to read the operations manu manual of what to do? 
Is he going to want to spend that 25 minutes figuring out how to make it go and how to make me get out of, out of my chair? Is he going to want to do that? And one of the most important questions of all, can you make out with somebody co cocooned in mesh? Think about that for a minute. You're in mesh, you're up in the air, your ass is hanging out. Now, as a queer man, I can think of many, many things you can do with your ass hanging out with another guy. And I'm sure that that other orientation people will come up with great ideas for what they can do. But it does take a while for your brain to get to a place where you can even, even talk about that. You can talk about those things as, as being sexually viable for what it is you're doing. Um, and so, you know, before, and when I'm looking at these devices, and I'm looking at these devices in terms of my sex life, especially with this new move, because my transfer changed. I used to be able to transfer myself better, and then my transfer device changed a bit. So I had to adapt, and I was scared, and I just didn't know, I didn't feel sexy with any of these devices in my life. And I had all these questions about my, my, sexual attractiveness because of them and the the way that I would have sex and how that would look and how that would manifest and I wanted somebody I needed to really get it out so this question from this this follower of mine really prompted me to do a lot of thinking about what I wanted and how I wanted to look at my new my new transfer modality um, and see if it would be sexy so I want to talk about three things in my life that I use every day and how I think we should make them sexy and three devices that I use every day. So let's do that now. The first device I want to look at is the wheelchair. Given our misguided notions of what the wheelchair means in our culture, sickness, inability, and, and, and inherent otherness, I think it's safe to say that the wheelchair isn't necessarily an emblem for ecstasy. I'll admit, as a wheelchair user, it can sometimes be hard to get it on in one. I mean, think about it. You're sitting in a 300-pound encased device where that is designed to fit your body and only your body, so there's no way that you're moving in this thing. There's no way you can move. And when people see the wheelchair, they do think of it as something that makes you sick. They think of it as something that makes you immobile. They think of it as something that makes you unattractive and not sexy in it. There's no way that you can do anything in this device. And they, they, they have all these preconceived notions of what the wheelchair means. So when I have guys come over to my house to do things, I spend a lot of time kind of showing them how the wheelchair can actually be, be kind of an aphrodisiac. And I have said it before, and I'll say it again. I believe that the wheelchair can sometimes be a great big sex toy. I've had experiences with sex, with sex partners where they would, we'd be fumbling and grabbing at each other and trying to, trying to get with each other and get or get my shirt off or me get the, me get in my hands in their pants or things like that and trying to do all that and be trying to figure out how to incorporate the wheelchair into this experience and you do fumble a lot because the chair is so big. My chair is not one of those cool, sporty chairs. It's a it's a it's a big, giant behemoth of a chair. And so you do kind of figure out how it's going to, how you're going to do this. And so one of the things I love about my chair is that it has something that's called a tilt recline function. So my chair can go backwards and up and down and change positioning. Now, technically, 
This is for my weight to be shifted in my body so that my hips don't deteriorate. All these technical reasons why this is happening. But from a sexual standpoint, this is the most amazing invention for a disabled person to ever have in the in in the in for like not for the sex part necessarily because that part would be hard but for the pre for the foreplay or for the fun or any of the like the before things get really really hot and heavy chair sex can be really awesome um no you want to make sure that when you're doing this with a partner that your chair is turned off or turn into like a not drive mode before you tell the recline. I have also been with partners where we're in the middle of trying to get each other and I remember I was with a partner a few years ago and we're we're totally hot and heavy making out and it's super we're have we're totally like in each other's own world and we're not focused on anything that's happening. And I forgot that I left my wheelchair on and the as we're doing as we're fumbling towards each other and we're trying to make out my partner accidentally tapped my joystick with their ass, or their, I think it was their ass, or some, some body part. I think they pretty, I think it was their bum though. Um, and the chair jolted forward, hurtling both of us into the wall, and I almost had to give the deposit back on my, my apartment because I pretty much left a giant sex hole in the wall. It was kind of hilarious. Um, and I had to be very careful to make sure that the next time, my chair was not in drive. So word to the wise, if you're going to try to have sex in your wheelchair, make sure your chair is off or in the sexy position before you start. I mean, because I've always fantasized about pinning my lover up against the wall and doing nasty, sexy things to them, but when they run the risk of internal bleeding because you pin them against the wall with your wheelchair, that's not the way to do it. That's not necessarily the sexiest thing out there. And really, I don't really think any lovers would be coming back for that. So let's not do that, shall we? One of the things I also love about the wheelchair so much, and I really, really enjoy this as a wheelchair user trying to have sex, and I love when people are creative with using my chair as a sex toy. Not only can my chair go up and down, but if I'm with an able-bodied partner, they can climb on my wheelchair. And I think that is one of the sexiest things that I've ever had done, and particularly my favorite position for another person to be in, for me as a queer man, I love it when a when a guy straddles his legs and straddles the chair, and we may go to bunch before anything happens, and he's straddling me in the chair, and then he will climb up, sometimes, some not all the time, but sometimes, the person will climb up on the chair and, and use the chair to anchor themselves onto me, and that's really sexy, and there's a reason why I find that particularly sexy, because I think that when they cl when a partner use, climbs up on the chair like that, they are coming to terms with the fact that your chair is a part of this experience, and your chair should be a part of this, and it's fun and sexy to um, make your chair a part of this. So I think it's really, really important to look at the wheelchair as not something that makes you sick, and not as an emblem of sex, as an emblem of desexualization, but to try to find ways to use the chair to enjoy yourself sexually. The next device that I want to talk about is the sling. Now, everybody with a disability who needs help with transferring, and I mean a lot of help, typically wheelchair users, know exactly what a sling is and know exactly how a sling works. 
And I kind of described it at the beginning where I talked about how typically a sling is like a mesh piece of fabric and basically it attaches to a hoist in typically your bedroom that is attached to a track lift that as I said makes a huge clunky noise as you move it around. This is typically how care providers tend to move people around so that they don't hurt their backs and it makes the sling from a practical standpoint of doing care makes perfect sense because it's it's a it's a basically a hoist a big lift that carries a person so it's great for care workers because they don't have to hurt their backs so I think it is a very important piece of equipment but I do I can't help but think whenever I see myself in the sling or I see somebody in a sling or I go to sometimes appointments where I see that where I have to use the sling and I see the way that it is immediately medicalized each and every time I see this a sling and a motor I can't help but think of personal support workers, doctors, and the medical the medicalization of disability. It really and truly makes me think that no one ever wants to lift me in a passion embrace because I am too much work. It's a symbol of all that I cannot do for myself. So you realize when you use a sling, and when I was saying earlier that my transfer device had changed, I was able to, and I'm I'm strong. I I, I was taught when I was a young kid to use gymnastic rings to lift my body up to for, for strength training and so when I was from the age of about 20 to just recently no 16 to recently so 16 years I, I lifted myself in and out of bed that way and that was my transfer device I would grab onto these rings and a person would hold my legs and slide me over and we'd go together and it was easy and fast, and I, I like being able to do that. This this particular place where I'm living, it just wasn't safe, and the, and the 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 lift that I was using wouldn't accommodate that. Just didn't it didn't seem like a very safe, viable option. So I opted to use the sling, which I have no problem doing, and I have no problem using the sling in terms of care at all. Um, but I do notice that when I'm in the sling, I feel very very medicalized and very very unsexy and very very it just it's it just feels very medical to me um and i mean these aren't the sexy like you you see leather sex slings where they're leather and they're kind of sexy and you sit in them and they're designed for like definitely definitely for sex these slings are not that they're they're not designed that way they're designed for care so they're designed in a very much different way um so that when I was looking at myself up in the sling and I saw my bum cupped in it and I, I kind of saw myself in the mirror and my bum was cupped in this little hole and I, for a minute I was like, oh, that's sexy. And I was kind of excited by the fact that here's my bum and what could what could go on there and how could I use this to my advantage to get myself to with the partner one time to get off? How could I play with that. I was really, really kind of excited by the idea of being in a sling with a partner um, when I looked at my when I looked at my bum in there. Um, and then I started to think about it more by way of disability and I had some thoughts. I guess I should preface this section by saying that I that I love the idea of anal sex and anal play, but as a person with disabilities who's unable to clean themselves, it's something that I worry about a lot. I worry about being clean down there and the stigma of like, oh my god, you might you might have shit there because you can't wipe your own ass, to be quite honest. So 
I often worry about about that when I'm thinking about anal play, but I was thinking about the sling in general, and I, I, I noticed that the sling is very prominent in other communities, um, particularly the kink scene, and one of the cool things about having a disability sling is that to, you know, this sling is designed to be soft and kind of relaxed um, and fun. Well, not fun. It wasn't designed for fun, but it's it's kind of meshed and, and soft. And so, to use this sling as a disabled person, you don't have to worry about going into some like some inaccessible basement layer to get fucked, some sex dungeon, which sounds hot, but it's just so not accessible for me. But you can still kind of create the atmosphere of the sling with the disability sling. Um, and so, I really think there's a great opportunity for the kink community to to capitalize on the cripple experience and maybe we can find like some other company who wants to make a hybrid sex disability sling that it could be like there's so many ways that these devices could be played with to make them sexy I just don't think people have thought about it um I'm, I also look at that and think have you I look at the sling idea and think have you ever been fingered or tongued in midair um, the sling and the motor makes that totally possible. How awesome would it be to be hanging in the air and have somebody really attractive finger you or, or, or fuck you with their tongue or fuck you with a dildo or if they were somehow really acrobatic, fuck you with their own body parts. I think there's so many cool ways that we could play with that. And I mean, this way you'd be comfortable. You don't have to contort your body to receive enjoyable anal. You can sit back, relax, and take it all in. Yes. Pun definitely intended. Lastly, you know, the sling is also pretty hammock-like. I've had many a time where I'm sitting there in the sling and I kind of fall asleep for a minute because it's super comfortable. So you could just, after you're done, and now you're all fuckered out. See what I did there? From all the posterior play, you could hang around for a nap. The last device I'd like to consider reframing as sexy and a device that often, many times, people with disabilities use in their day-to-day -day lives is the bed rail. I remember when I got the bed rail. There were two giant rods protruding out of my bed, sadly there's no pun here, that would keep me inside a bed stuck inside what I call the dead turtle position. Now if you're wondering what the dead turtle position is, let me explain it to you. It's me on my back, literally splayed out on my back, unable to to move really I'm kind of when you when you take me out of the sling and you got me lying down I'm in the dead turtle position unable to move picture a turtle on its back that's me pretty much all the time in bed so they these these bed rails would keep me in this position in in the bed so I couldn't fall and they wouldn't keep me in the dead turtle position but they keep me kind of pretty centered in the bed um, and I remember feeling that the bed rails were symbolic of my disability, proof that I needed protection, that I wasn't safe on my own. I was very, very hesitant to get the bed rails. I got a new bed for my new apartment, and because I moved to the city, when you move to the city, typically you're in small little apartments, and I moved into a small, well, it's not a small apartment, but it's, it's smaller than what I'm used to, um, so I had to get a smaller bed. When you, when you give somebody with a disability with spasms a smaller bed, chances are they might fall out of said bed at some point. So I was very concerned about falling, and I was very scared. So I decided 
to protect myself, I would get bed rails, and that's what I did. Um, and I, but I was very, very, and they're, you know, they're enmeshed, and, and they're gray mesh, and so they look very medical, and they look very, I mean, I got them at, like, one of those big box stores, so they're not, I didn't get them from a, from a hospital or anything, and there are versions of the bed rails that look way more medical than this, but in a way, I associated it with a hospital bed and a medical bed and, and issues like that, and I was very concerned about how it would look, and it just didn't scream sexy, and again, I didn't want people to think that I couldn't take care of myself and that I was vulnerable enough that I would fall out of bed or something. I was very concerned how it would look. Um, and so as I started using them more, though, I have them on my bed and they stay on my bed and they're like, they're kind of fastened to my bed. As I started using them more, I learned that I could grab onto them and roll myself over and steady myself into one position should I need to. So what I can do is I can grab onto the the bed rail and pull my body over to turn myself over. Let's pause. I think I want you to visualize that me rolling myself over. Now it looks hilarious because I have to use a lot of my strength to do so. But if I was with a partner and once I'm in that position, things could happen. I'm picturing like in my mind's eye, I'm picturing my lover grabbing onto me and I grabbing onto them as we rise together in the throes of passion. The bed rails also mean that in my case, my partner won't be the only one of us with the ability to move around. Because typically when I have sex, I have to rely on my partner to do most of the heavy lifting and the moving. So this would actually be a really, really good, important step to, um, to change the, the power dynamic of the sex. In a way, for me, this device opens up a lot of ideas around the kind of sex I can have. It means that I won't be simply a passive participant in the play that I'm having. I won't be a passive play participant, if you will. Um, I'll be able to engage in the sex more readily and have more fun as I'm being as I'm being fucked or fingered or tongued or whatever it is. Whatever it is that we're doing, I, I can have more access to it and more say in how I want things to go. There's a power in that, and I really like playing with that power. And I think if we can use these devices to show that we have agency over our sexuality and our bodies and how we want to we want to turn the idea of disability advocacy and disability devices on its head i think this is a great place to start this list is by no means exhaustive and there are many other devices that we could talk about and making making them part of our sexual play as disabled people but i do believe this is a great start um and i think that the trouble with with looking at devices as sexual for many of us, even though we're fully sex positive and looking at these devices is because these devices and the medical community has dehumanized us so much that to look at these devices as anything other than devices that help us with our physicalities is really hard. So I think that we need to have more lists like this and more conversations around how to sexualize our devices um, and I think we need to rehumanize instead of dehumanize the conversation around sex and disability. And talking about devices is one important way to do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Copyright notice. The Disability After Dark podcast, including title, graphic, content, interview recordings, and title music, are property of Andrew Gerza. This podcast cannot be reproduced 
without permission from the owner.